Okay, so let's get rolling. Let's get rocking. I'm pretty excited about the message today. In fact, I'm very excited about next week's message. Uh, I'm really, really excited about it. I think it's going to be really a great one as well. So, and, uh, and, and I just want to let you know, as always, I, I do my best to tell you all the time, all this stuff isn't coming from Randy Chiz's head. I, I lean on a lot of pastors and a lot of great ministries. And so Life Church is the one that's helping us with this series that we're doing right now called The Bow. Uh, and and uh, so I just want you to know that we're, we're trying to do our best to follow along. So we are in week four of now a five-week series. We changed things a little bit. It was a four-week. Now we're at a five-week. We're at week four of a five-week series. And today's message is The Vow of Partnership, part two. The Vow of Partnership, part two. I want to remind you, as I'm going along my notes, I put this in my notes too. I want to remind you that next Sunday, next Sunday, you're going to lose an hour of sleep coming to church. So change your clocks, do what you need to do, and just so you're prepared, uh, it's daylight savings time next week. And I don't know about you, but I'm thrilled it's going to be that because I love the sun. I love the sun. (laughs) I love the brightness. Well, let's move on. Um, I, again, I want to extend personally myself to a warm welcome to all of you that are here today, and especially, especially those of you who are here for the first, second, or third time. It really means a lot to me. It means a lot to our church that you would come and check it out, and we welcome you. We're glad that you're here with us. Let's get into the message. We are dealing with a message entitled, a series entitled, The Vow, The Vow. And what we're doing with The Vow is that we're dealing with four different vows that we are having, and we're digging into this series with this, again, it's coming from Life Church, and we number one, the first vow that we dealt with was, uh, uh, the, the promise is, is that I promise that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my number two. Week one of the vow, the first vow was, I promise that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be number two. The second week that we dealt with the vow, <clears throat> that message was, that promise was, I promise to always pursue pursue my number two. And then this week is the fact that um, vow number three is that I promise our marriage will be about we and not about me. About we and not about me. Now last week what we dug into a little bit is that we talked about the idea, can a man and a woman marry and stay deeply in love for the rest of their lives? And the answer to that question is yes, 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 and yes, it can happen. It doesn't always happen. Most of the time it doesn't, but it can happen. So if you're one out there thinking, is it really worth moving toward marriage? I I think that the answer easily could be for you. If you're gonna do it God's way, for you easily, it's going to happen. It will go for the rest of your life. So if you've missed our earlier weeks, we are, again, we're doing this, this full court press to help people to prepare for a godly marriage in their future. And we are also trying to do everything we can to equip those who are married, for those of us who are married right now, uh, to have all the tools and the spiritual understanding, to have the marriage and to have the the relationship that God wants you to have, that God, and and ultimately, I believe that what you want to have, I believe it's something that would be deep within your heart, that you would have that marriage that God would want to create. And it seems like everywhere we look, marriages seem to be struggling. I'm recalling, as we began the first song uh, in our worship, I was recalling a, a, a story about struggling. You know, there, there, sometimes there's even struggles in heaven. And so I, I wanted to tell you a story about that. So I'm going to do my best to remember the story. This woman dies and she ends up at the pearly gates. And as she's at the pearly gates, here is, here is Peter. And she walks up to Peter and she says to, to Peter, she says, did I make it? Am I, I going to be in heaven? And he says, you only need to do one thing. And the only thing you need to do is to spell a word correctly. 
And she looks at Peter and she says, well, what's the word? And Peter says, love. Well, she looks at him and she goes, L-O-V-E. And Peter says, you did it. You're in. Come on in. Come on into heaven. And so as she comes into heaven, all of a sudden, Peter sits back and he says, you know what? I'm, I, I've got something really important I need to do. I'm only going to be gone just a few moments. Would you stand here at the gates and would you allow people to come in and do the same thing for them that you've done for me? And so she says, sure, I, I'm a little bit nervous, but I'll, I'll do it if this is what you want. And so he leaves and she's there at the pearly gate. She doesn't know what to do. And all of a sudden she sees a shadow and she sees somebody walking towards her and it's her ex-husband. Well, he walks up towards her and he says, are you here in heaven? And she says, yes, I am. And she looks at him and she says, and you're here? And he says, yes, I am. What do I need to do in order to get into heaven? What do I need to do? And she looked at him and she says, well, all you need to do is just spell the word correctly and you're gonna come into heaven. And he looked at her and he says, well, what's the word? And she looks at him and she says to her ex-husband, Czechoslovakia. See, I'm telling you, no matter where we look, it seems like marriages are struggling even in heaven. Now listen, that's not how you get into heaven. I want to make sure you understand. You don't get to heaven by spelling anything, except for J-E-S-U-S. That's the only way you're going to get into heaven. So anyhow, anyhow, the reality is, is that everywhere that we do look, marriages are struggling. They really are. And as far as I'm concerned, this is, un this is unacceptable to us here at Word of Life. We don't, we don't want marriages to fall apart. We want them to be built and God to have his way. And, uh, and we know more than anything is that this is what God wants. This is God's plan. This is God's thought. God has an answer. God has a solution to everything in life, no matter what it would be, if you would but just search after him, if you would seek him to find him. So for those of you who are married, I, I want to ask you a question. How many of you are married to somebody that's kind of the opposite of you? In other words, maybe they do things differently than you do. Does anybody, is anybody married to somebody like that or has been married to somebody like that? You can put your hands down because the truth of the matter is, Marianne and I, we, we are different. I mean, we are, we are, we are really different and... Uh, uh, and, and the fact of the matter is, as we move toward life, we have discovered some things. We've been married 45 years, so you can learn some things in 45 years. But my point is, is that let me tell you the differences between us, just a couple of things. Marianne, for, for the first part, Marianne makes a list. Uh, she makes a list for everything. No matter what it is, she makes a list. Randy, he does no list. I have no list at all. I don't know how to write, so I don't, I don't have a list. Uh, Marianne, she knows exactly where everything is in the house, no matter what it would be. She knows where everything is in the house. She knows where this is and that, where our warranties are. She knows where, where our last will and testament would be. She knows, for me, for me, you mean we have, we have some, some warranties in our house? I didn't know we had warranties in the house. And when did we get our last will and testament done? I don't remember doing that either. I'm just kidding a little bit about that one, but we're different. Marianne, she's an introvert. Randy, he's more of an extrovert. Marianne, she's a woman who's behind the scenes 99% of the time. She doesn't like being up front. She doesn't like being known, being the pastor's wife, all of that stuff. None. She just, she's an introvert. But Randy, you know, it's, it's a little bit different for me. I'm a, I'm a little bit out there. She's behind the scenes and I'm front and center. And I want to let you know that even though we have these differences, it's really good. It really is good because if we were the exact same, then one of us wouldn't be needed. If Marianne and I were the exact same, if you and your spouse, you and your boyfriend or girlfriend, if the two of you are moving toward marriage, if you are both exactly the same, you're going to have the most boring marriage possible. 
We need this. And what we find out here is that God actually uses difference, the differences that we have with one another to enhance and to strengthen the relationship that he is building in us. The problem is, the problem is, and you know this very well, Satan will use all of these differences to bring division to bring division within the marriage, to cause us to walk away. But it's God who wants to use these, con- these differences that we have to strengthen us, to strengthen us. And, uh, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk, talk about partnership. Again, vow number three. It won't be projected, but vow number three says, I promise our marriage will be about we and not about me is what this vow number three is. The vow of partnership with our spouse is this. Whenever we enter into a covenant relationship with our spouse, it is always until death separates us. Let me say that again. Whenever we enter into a covenant relationship with our spouse, it is always until death separates us. Could somebody say amen to that? Could somebody agree with me on that? Because that's what the Bible says. From that moment on, life is not about me. When you get married, I, I'm even, I, I even sort of border on the idea of if you're really seriously dating and you're about ready to be engaged, it's not about me any longer. It's not about what I want. It's about we. It's about us. It's about us as husband and wife. It's about us who are engaged. It's about we. Life is about we together. Um, about about um, about uh, us serving and glorifying God, uh, and, and our life will. Sorry, I've lost my notes. I'm trying to find it again. It's about us uh, serving and glorifying God, and our life will be about we and not about me. Go with me again to Genesis chapter two. We, this is the third or fourth time that we're going to Genesis chapter two. You probably have this memorized by now, but we're using this because this is a really launching pad for what the series is all about. And it says these words: "This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh." Genesis two. 24 is what the Bible says. It says the two will be united and they will be as one flesh. That word united there in this particular scripture, the Hebrew word there is akad, akad, which means to be completely joined as one, completely joined as one. In just a moment, I'm going to show you that Jesus actually quoted this Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. Jesus actually quoted this exact verse that is said in Genesis. And then Jesus added a little bit of additional truth to this particular verse, to this particular chapter. Um, but what I, want to, what I want to show you before I tell you what Jesus said, I want to just share something that's from my heart. I want to say to you with all sincerity, with what I'm about to share today, I could lose some friends. I know I could. I don't want you to be mad at me. This is not Randy's idea. This is God's idea. And it just so happens I am a firm believer in what God says. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him. And so I want you to know that with all sincerity, with what I'm about to say, I, I, I say with tremendous sensitivity and understanding. I understand that there are, are so many people that have experienced pain and the brokenness of divorce. I understand it. Never been there. Never done that. But man, I've dealt with a lot of people who have over 37 years of doing this. I've dealt with a lot of people who have gone through that. And I'm sure that there are many of you that would say, you know what, man, if I could go over and do that again, I probably would have done it this way. I probably would have responded that way. I'm sure that there are people in the room right now who would say some things like this, that, you know what, I I did some stupid stuff. 
then I'm going to admit it to you. I did some stupid stuff. Uh, and it's not just her fault. It's not just his fault. I can see now down the road, especially being a follower of Christ, man, I, I did things wrong. And I honor you for that. And, and, and I want you to hear my heart with this. I'm not wanting to create guilt in anybody. That doesn't come from God. That comes from the enemy. He's the one who fills you and I with guilt. But that, I don't want to create guilt or condemnation for whatever has happened to you in the past. None of my business, number one. But since we're talking about this kind of subject, I know it's impacting people in certain ways with where they're at, where they've been at, and what's been going on in life. But what I want to do is, is that I want to build a foundation today that we can build upon for marriages in the future that will last and that will be strong. That will last and that will be strong. So when I say, when I say, um, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19, I'm saying this with a heart, a heart that understands that you can't change the past. There's nothing you can do and change the past. You can't do that. But what we have to do as a church and what I have to do as your pastor is that I need to be honest with you and to say to you, this is what the Bible says. This is what God says. He's the one who brings life. He's the one who gives us hope and direction. So I hope you understand that as we dig into this. It's going to get a little bit juicy here as we go along for these next few moments. Go with me to Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. This is where Jesus is saying the exact same verse that we just read in Genesis. Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. Have you, haven't you read, he replied, that in the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. And the two will become one flesh. So what Jesus is saying here, he's talking about the, the message that we're dealing with in partnership. He is saying now it's a we kind of thing. When you get married, it's a we kind of thing forever and ever because you two have been united as one flesh. Go with me to verse six. Jesus com com completes what he's talking about with this verse. And he says these words, so, so uh, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. What God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, my friend, I love you. I'm your pastor. I care about you. I want things to go well for you. But the fact of the matter is when you make a promise, when you, when you promise before God that you're going to be married, God wants you to fulfill that. And he says, do not let anything, don't let anything come between you. Let no one separate so how can we possibly do this? How can we possibly live out this command that's in the word of God when we're living in a world that's so filled with selfishness and divorce and so much pain? Well, let me first go really quick. Let, let's go to the foundational understanding of what marriage really is. Some people say that, well, marriage is just a sheet of paper. That's, that's all it is. Implying that marriage is, is just a contract. It's something that you stand before a J-O-P and he'll sign his name on it once you go through the ceremony and it's over. You know, something like that, whatever, whatever it would be. But listen to me. Please hear me with this. In the Bible, in the Bible, marriage is not a contract. Marriage is not a contract, but marriage is actually a covenant. A covenant before our holy God is what marriage is. And there's a big difference between a contract and a covenant. Let's dig a little bit deeper. What a contract is based on, a contract is actually based on mutual distrust. Mutual distrust. In other words, you know what? I don't know you very well. I don't know you well enough to take you at your word. So I'm going to make you sign a piece of paper 
I'm going to make you sign this piece of paper that will say, you're going to live up to your end of this deal. And if by chance you don't, if you're not faithful to the, to the end of the deal, then I have a recourse against you. Capiche? Capiche. So, if you're out and about ready to rent a home or rent an apartment or rent a car, and a lot of things you can rent, but if you're about ready to do any of that, you're going to be signing on the dotted line about 25 times, I might be exaggerating, a promise that you're going to uphold whatever it is that you're renting or buying or whatever it is you're doing. It's a contract, unfortunately, that's based on mutual distrust. Mutual distrust. Now, a covenant, a covenant is entirely different. A covenant is not being based on distrust. A covenant is based on mutual, uh, mutual uh, commitment. Mutual commitment. We are both 100% with, with uh, every part of our being that we're in this thing together. 100%. We're in this thing together. The Hebrew word translated covenant is the word in Hebrew. It's called bereath. Bereath. And that means, actually, it means a cutting. It means a cutting. In the Hebrew world, um, uh, it would be translated into, it would be translated as a, a covenant within the word of God. That word bereath means is that, that there's going to be a cutting. And really what happens in the Old Testament was is that they would sacrifice an animal. Blood would have to be shed for that kind of a promise, for that kind of a covenant. Blood would have to be shed in order for that to, to be fulfilled. It takes our promises to a whole different level. It's the shedding of blood. It's the shedding of blood. In the Old Testament, whenever a covenant was created, of course, it would be a lamb. But Jesus came into this world and he came as the lamb of God and we're no longer obligated to the law of the Old Testament. We are now under the New Testament of what God, what Jesus himself has done for us as the sacrificial lamb. Would you give the Lord a round of applause for how great and glorious he really is? And he is a great God. He took care of all of that for us. So let me tell you what may seem, as I'm sharing this with you, a little bit graphic, and it may even be a little bit offensive, but actually, I personally think this is beautiful. I think that this is very moving, what I'm going to share with you right now. In the Old Testament, oftentimes when a, when a bride and groom are ready to be married, they would go and meet before a priest. They would stand before the priest, and the priest would take out a knife and he, to the man, and he would cut his hand. And then he would go to the, the female, the bride, and he would cut her hand as well. And when that would take place, of course, blood would begin to flow, come out of the hands, and they would, they would take their hands, and then they would begin to mingle the blood with each other. It would go very deep. It would be mingling the blood for, one, for each other. Because in the book of Leviticus, it says in there that life is in the blood, Life is in the blood. So here these two, the bride and groom, they are now having this mingling of their blood and life is in the blood, symbolizing the two are becoming one. One, And then what the priest would do is that the priest would then take a cord once they have done this and they, he would tie a cord around the two hands, putting them together and show everybody that's there, these two have become one, that these two now have become one. I wanna go a little bit deeper than this. Let's go to the honeymoon. This is how deep everything goes with God pertaining to a covenant that would be between a man and his wife. 
So we go to the next level. And in God's perfect world, this is what would happen. Please hear me. A virgin man, a virgin man would enter into a virgin woman. And there would be a shedding of blood. And this was, this was a holy, righteous, beautiful occasion that is all ordained by God. This is the plan of God. This, in, in God's perfect world, this is, how, this is how he would want it to be. This is how it should be. This is what God wants. It would be, it would be that kind of depth, depth. It would be so beautiful. It would be so righteous and holy. In other words, the word holy, that means set apart. So when you enter into an agreement like this, you're setting yourself apart than from what everybody else is doing. You're, this is something special between you and your bride, you and your groom. This is between the two of you, and this is special to God. And it's reserved for marriage. All of this is reserved in the Bible for marriage. Now buckle up. Buckle up because I gotta go fast. I'm running out of time. But buckle up because what I'm about to say and do is gonna sound, a ladder, it's gonna sound rather bizarre. In fact, some of you are gonna think I've gone a little wacko and I'm a little bit crazy, and I am, and I have been. And so uh, hang with me as I go into this. What I'm going to tell you right now will be weird to some of you because you've never experienced what I'm gonna tell you. And it may be weird to you. I, I'm saying never. I don't know that for sure, but I'm assuming. Because what I'm speaking about, I'm speaking about the world's approach and culture's approach to relationships. I'm speaking about the world's approach and culture's approach to relationships. So if you want to be normal, and normal for the world is society, normal is culture. So if you want normal, you can have normal. As your pastor, I'm saying this to you. If you want normal, you can have normal. When I look around and I see normal relationships that are oozing with hurt and mistrust and adultery and divorce and pain, I don't know about you, but I don't want anything with that. I, I don't want anything to do with that kind of normal that the world goes through. To the world, that's normal. That happens all the time. I mean, we hear about it, we go, oh, really? And then we go on. It doesn't matter. But I don't want that. I, I don't want that. But if you truly want something that others don't have, then you've got to do something other uh, that what people won't do. If you truly want something that others don't have, then you've got to do something other people won't do. And the key to all of this is that I'm going to be talking about a very different path, a very different path than what the world takes. And that is, listen to me, listen, reserving and waiting to share the gift of lovemaking until you're actually married. Some of you have never heard that before. Nobody's ever sat down and said to you as a young man, a young lady, moving toward relationships that this needs to wait. This one thing needs to wait until you're married, man. Never heard that before. So the question I have right now, <laughs> is it even possible? Is it even possible that something like this could happen to me? Well, I've got a quick thought that I would just say, you know what? If you've given your life to Jesus and you want to do it right, you can do from this day forward. If you're dating, if you're living with someone, if however your relationship is with that individual and you're intimately involved with them, you can make a decision right now that from this day forward until we're married, because listen, sweetheart, I want to marry you. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. I think it's obvious we should do that. So I, I encourage you with those thoughts. But listen, I believe with God all things are possible. So yeah, I believe that, that we can do things. So bear with me because I'm going to be rather direct as I go into this. Here's what happens these days. Here's what happens now in the year that we're living, the time that we're living. Today, people do married things before they ever get married. 
People do married things before they ever get married. And it's very common today. And it goes something like this. You know what? Hey, man, I think I really like you. I, I, I like you a lot. In fact, I think there might be a little bit of love happening between the two of us. And uh, so I got a thought. I got an idea. Why don't we save a little bit of money and why don't we just move in together? Come on, let's just move in together. And just so you know, in case you don't know, this is the, years ago, it used to be the only way that you would move into a home with a man or a woman is because you've married them. That was the only reason, the only way that you would do all of that. But things have changed and culture has had its way and a lot of us are following the culture and maybe we don't even know where we're going. We, we're just following along what everybody else is doing. So anyhow, so here's, okay, here's my toothbrush. Here's your toothbrush. This is where it goes. Why, why don't we buy a coffee table? And why don't we also get a nice little small sofa? And then we will end up, you know, we will end up, you know, you know doing what married people do in a bedroom typically. And, and we'll just do that. This is how life is going to be. And then what happens rather quickly with people who do this, I don't know how often, I've never just lived with somebody, so I don't know how long this takes, but anyhow, uh, every, things happen rather quickly, and all of a sudden she says, you know what, I don't like you anymore. I don't like you, I'm working with this new guy, I like him a whole lot, so guess what, we're done. And so she says to him, why don't you take the coffee table, and I'll take the sofa, and life goes on. Life goes on. And what happens is, if I can be a little bit blunt and exaggerate slightly with this scenario that I'm dealing with right now with you, it's rather common these days that people do this with one another two times, three different times, five different times. I don't know, maybe even 18 different times. I don't know. But this is typically how it is with our world. People doing married things who aren't married. And the bottom line, essentially, essentially what you're doing is <clears throat> you are pretending and doing married things, and, and then when it doesn't work out for you, you now go to a new level and you're practicing divorce. You're practicing divorce. You're pretending and doing married things, and then essentially what you, well, you, you do what divorced people do, and that is that you split up, you moved on down the road with somebody else, and you're starting over again, and then, and, and then find out that the next person has also gone through the same process that you're going through. It's no wonder nowadays that when a marriage is being threatened, when marriage is struggling, when things are going wrong, all of a sudden we just do what is naturally being done all over the world, and certainly in our nation, is that we begin to do things, live out before what's being lived out before us through family and friends and doing married things without being married. Okay, that's some of the bad stuff I had to say. I got more bad stuff in a minute. Marriage is a holy covenant. And I am 100% from this day forward. From this day forward. For better and for worse. For richer or for poorer. In sickness and in health. Forsaking all others. I will be faithful to you as long as we both shall live. So help me God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say it with me. Amen. Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. It is a binding agreement that that I'm in this 100%. I'm with you all the way on this. So let me be clear. This isn't a 50-50 proposition when you get married. No, I'm in as much as you're in. It's not that way. 
When you enter into marriage, sir, ma'am, it's a 100%, 100% proposition. Marriage is never ever dividing everything in half someday. Marriage is giving everything you've got to one another. That's what marriage is. Would somebody applaud with me on that? I think that's a great statement. That's a great word. Mm. Mm. Marriage is giving everything that you've got. It's never ever um, do unto others that you would want them to do unto you. That's what the world thinks and that's what selfish people think. Marriage is you do unto others, including your spouse, you do unto others as Christ would do for you. What Jesus would do for you. What you know Jesus has done for you. Because Jesus gave his life. And that's what we do in the context of marriage. Marriage is, is a partnership. Marriage, marriage is a partnership. It's a partnership till death do us part. It's about we and it's not about, it's not about me. What is a, a covenant partner uh, relationship really about? Well, let me summarize it with you in one statement that's going to be projected behind me. It's a covenant partnership. A covenant partnership is uh, godly leadership and mutual submission. Let me say it again. A covenant partnership is godly leadership and mutual submission. I got it. The moment that I said that word submission in here, all of a sudden a chill went up your back. All of a sudden some people are thinking, what are you saying? What do you mean by submission? You know, I, I get that. I understand that because of what submission has brought through the church into our world that has caused people to go bonkers. And I understand that. And I agree with people going bonkers over that kind of thing. But honestly, honestly, I want to I wanna take it to a level that maybe you've not considered before of what God is saying in his word. Honestly, it's, it's totally understandable for people to have a difficult time, but this is a, a great thing. Here's what I want to say. Please notice that I said the word mutual submission in that statement. Mutual submission. Whenever Paul talked about marriage, he would always start off with what says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. He says, now submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I know I talked about this just a week ago. Talked a little bit about that. Out of reverence for Christ is what he says. But let me get personal with you. Let me get personal with you one more time. Um, one of the things I want to say is, listen, I, I'm, a, I'm, a more dom- I'm the more dominant in our relationship as husband and wife. I'm the more dominant. And Marianne, is that okay that I said that? <laughs> Have I offended you, honey? I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 uh, okay, I, I'm just kidding with you. Um, I mean, I am, I'm not kidding, but I am kidding with you. Um, um, I really am the more dominant. I, I really am. But you need to know, even though I'm the more dominant within the relationship, I want you to need, you need to know that we are both, Marianne and I are both mutually submitted to one another. Mutually submitted to one another. All of that has been a part of our life from day one. We have been together that way, and I would have it no other way. So the truth is that Marianne, she completes me. Marianne completes me. Randy Chis doesn't complete himself. It's Marianne and the work of the Holy Spirit in me. She completes me, and I complete her. She has unique gifts and talents and passions and disciplines that I don't have. And guess what? I have, I have um, gifts and talents and passions and disciplines that she doesn't have. My wife has an incredible uh, sense of discernment. She's had it right from day one in her walk with God. She has an incredible uh, sense of discernment about what's right or wrong and safe or unsafe. She has that. And she does that a hundred times better than I could possibly do that. She has a sensitivity to that. So I depend on Marianne a lot. I depend upon her a lot when she's being directed by the Holy Spirit. I am submitted to that. 
But the same is with her. She depends on me a lot. When I am leading my flock, the flock of sheep that I'm in charge of or leading to greener pastures, she follows along with me because she's submitted to the same thing as I am. So Paul goes on and he says something like this. The first thing that he says is to submit to one another. So go with me in your, in your, in your notes here to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. Wives, listen to this. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, which he is, he is the Savior. So it starts off by saying is, is that the husband is the point lead of the family. Go with me to verse 24. Now as... Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So should wives submit to their husbands in everything. And listen, I know, again, a lot of people have something going up their spine right now that is just a chill that does not feel good because of experiences that you have or experiences that you know. And I'm not talking about that. That's what the enemy would want you to hear. That's what the enemy would want you to believe. But I'm not talking about that. Listen to what I'm talking about. What I see more than anything within the church of Jesus is men. Really what I see is really passive men who discard or abdicate the, the leadership that God has placed in their lives. They just, they're just not involved with it. And men, you and I have been called by God to lead. We have been called by God to lead. And lead doesn't mean, listen, lead doesn't mean that you're making all the decisions. That's not leadership, that's dictatorship. You are not, sir, smart enough to make all the decisions, no more than I'm smart enough to make all those decisions. This is a team. This is a marriage. Two people becoming one, coming together. Bottom line is what you and I do is it all begins by setting a tone. You are to set a tone, sir. You are to, you are to set the direction, sir, for where your family is going and what's taking place. I lead Word of Life Church, but I don't make all the decisions at Word of Life Church. I don't make every decision, every single thing that needs to be decided upon. I would go bald if I had to do that. I have people, I have men and women that I trust with all of my heart, and they're empowered to make decisions without my approval on every single thing that has happened at Word of Life Church. But as pastor, I set the tone. As pastor, I'm the visionary. I talk about where we're going and what we're doing and what it looks like and what God is saying. That's my job. Well, what we are to be doing the same thing, gentlemen. We set the spiritual tone for the family. Remember, it's not about me, it's about we. So let me be clear. Our wives contribute all day long in incredible ways. Incredible ways. And ultimately, she and I, for Marianne and I, she and I, we co-lead together, co-lead together, directing our children into a living, loving relationship with family as well as with the God of heaven who's come to save us. Men, we lead with honor and dignity, servant leadership, and we lead by serving others first. I'm gonna move ahead on my notes just because I'm running out of time. So as I close off, and I'm gonna close off, there's more to this than that, but I'm gonna close off. I promise you, I promise you, as far as Marianne and I are concerned, because maybe you're sitting there thinking today some thoughts, oh, that's nice, Pastor Randy. You're such a good husband. And your wife, she's so naive, and she's following along with you. That's so nice. It's not like that for us. I want you to know. I promise you that our schedules, Marianne and my schedules, are just as difficult as your schedules are. We are just as busy as you are. We get assaulted by the devil just as much as you do. And I personally think 
Marianne and I get it worse because of who we are and what the opportunities that we have. Unfortunately, my flesh is as, is as vulnerable as everybody else's flesh out there, and so is Marianne's. I also want to say that I want you to know I've sinned against God. In our years gone by, in past years, I've sinned against God, and I want you to know Marianne has sinned against God, just like you have. We've hurt each other, and we've let each other down. We have faced issues just like you face issues. Everybody has issues. Give me an amen. Amen. Everybody has issues. There's been drama in Randy Chiz's family. There's been drama in Randy Chiz's extended family. Just like you have drama. We lost our, we lost our oldest son two and a half years ago of a massive heart attack at 40 years old. Just like you have suffered loss of a family member. Marianne and I have a very blessed and a very happy marriage. And I'm telling you, you don't have to believe me, and I could care less if you do or not. We are madly in love with one, one, one another. Madly in love with one another. And we know we're, we're going to go all the way to the end. The only way she'll be single again or I'll be single again is if I go or if she goes. And I put in the prayers, I want to be number one. I want to go first. <laughs> She says, you're so selfish. And I says, I know, but that's what it's going to be. But anyhow. All of that is not because we're pastors. It's not, our marriage isn't wonderful and amazing because we're pastors. Because we have life easier. We don't. We really don't. I want to tell you why we've got what we got. It's because we've made multiple decisions over 45 years multiple decisions to work very, very hard at having the marriage that God offers every single person, everyone who would dare to believe. That's the secret. We've worked hard at this. Things didn't just fall into our laps. It never, ever has happened like that. So I say this to the married as I close. Your marriage will only be as good as what you both decide to put into it. Let me say it again. Hear these words. Your marriage will only be as good as what you both, you both decide to put into that. That's your decision. Would you stand with me to your feet? We're going to sing our last and final song. And as we do, I want to invite anybody and everybody who would like prayer. I would love, I would love to see a husband and wife, arms around each other, standing there praying for one another. I would love for some couples to come down or a single individual who's really seeking God about a relationship, whatever those things, to come to the altar and pray. And if you would like any of these men and women who have been praying for the last hour for you, if you would like them to pray over you, you just come to them. You don't have to give them a long story. I'm just trying to make a big decision. I've got a health problem, whatever it is, and let them pray over you. We're going to sing our last and final song, and I'm going to ask you to please don't leave until we're done. We'll be done and out of here in three minutes. So I just ask you to bear with us in this last and final song. And if you'd like prayer for anything, feel free to come on down. But let's worship God.